This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Joseph Anthony Kress. Welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Joseph Anthony, here Hi. we are. Hey, what up? Not much. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, just kicking it. Yeah. Living large, loving life. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, what are we going to talk about? Well, it's the beginning of August. I guess it is, yeah, yeah, and Saint Dominic's Day uh-huh. what, is is coming up within the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, doing anything? I like that guy. Big fan of that guy. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing anything to, to celebrate the solemnity? I guess um, is it tough. I mean, I guess you could do parish stuff, but campus well, it's, wise, it's yeah, quiet. Yeah, it's super quiet. It's actually super quiet parish wise because we're a university parish, so a lot of. Uh, we have so many different uh, integrations and connections with the um, university. So until the university really ramps up, you know, it, yeah. things are pretty quiet. Um, we'll do, uh, you know, we'll have a high mass, a solemn mass uh, in the parish. And we'll have some kind of gatherings and things like that. Um, and then we do kind of our major parish celebrations around the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, Makes sense. But, uh, you know, as a community, we have brothers in the community from the House of Studies. So we have student brothers or recently ordained brothers that are spending time with us over that summer. And they typically will end their summer assignments right around the Feast of St. Dominic. Mm -hmm. So we try to do some celebrations internally as a community, whether on the feast day itself or right around it to make sure that we're celebrating with the brothers and, and uh, building up our own fraternal life in that way. So yeah, nothing too, too crazy. Um, but yeah, it's That's all good. good. I'm a big fan. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad for that. Yeah. Well, nice. Yeah, yeah. I think in Hanover, we're just with the fall where when the feast day falls on particular days of the week, it makes it tough. But I think oh, this yeah. year it falls on a Tuesday, I think the eighth. Yes. So we're trying to do, we're, we're, I think, hoping to have a couple of Franciscans, Franciscans come up and do some of the preaching. There's oh, this nice, great nice. tradition mm-hmm. um, where on the Feast of St. Dominic, uh, typically, or if not typically, I don't know, but the customarily, if you if the community is large enough for that sort of thing, you would invite a Franciscan to preach right. on the Feast of St. Dominic and on the Feast of St. Francis, vice versa. The mm-hmm. Franciscans would invite a Dominican to come preach. Um, so I think we're doing that, um, which we haven't done before for a whole host I of reasons. I love that tradition. Yeah, um, and cool. I, I think it's great. Um, I went to school at Franciscan University of Steubenville. I'm not sure if you know that or are aware of that. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so okay. that's where I did my undergrad. Yeah. Uh, was at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Um, and at the time we had a Dominican on faculty there, uh, Father Giles Dimmick, yeah. the, the legendary uh, Father Giles mm-hmm. Dimmick of our province. And uh, he would always preach the St. Francis feast day, which was a huge deal. Like this was like a major feast day for the campus. Everything shut down. We had like a weird kind of Renaissance fair thing. Like you get a, <laughs> you get a turkey leg. Really? It, oh yeah. It was a party. Wow. Yeah, we'd have like concerts. We had like bands come in and set up a stage in huge mass in the field house. And I remember always like being struck that like this principal feast day where everything kind of like you'd always have a Dominican preacher for it. Yeah, it's like, that's cool. It, it was really, really cool to experience. And that was like where I first understood that kind of um, very kind of sibling relationship between the Franciscans and the Dominicans, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I want to continue to support and encourage. Yeah, that's great. Well, apropos of nothing, ah. uh, let's talk about today's Transition. topic. That's right, yeah. So we're going to talk today about um, funerals. Yep, death. Death, 
mm-hmm. and planning for funerals in right. particular. Not so much planning for death a little bit, but planning for funerals mm-hmm. because why? Well, it's an important part of things. Yeah. Um, I think with respect to the other, well, a funeral is not a sacrament, but with respect to yeah. other sacraments, marriage, obviously there's a lot of planning and prep right. that goes into that. Um, often so too, not to the same degree or same extent with, but with baptisms, mm-hmm. um, for, for, especially for new parents prepping for baptism right. and stuff like that. But um, adult baptisms adult, with like OCIA. Right, exactly. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Confirmation yeah. there. And yeah. obviously, um, sacramental formation for kids who are preparing for confirmation adults mm-hmm. through OCIA, RCA. Years um, of preparation for the priesthood. Yep. Years. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but the question of like preparing well for funerals mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. something that at least in a parish setting now, not really good funeral planning, but kind of poor funeral planning or poor foresight or, you know, that sort of thing where someone passes and then it's scrambling to get the pieces together, which Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. usually what happens because that's just how it happens. But then the funeral either become like the funeral liturgy itself either becomes an afterthought or there's just no kind of familiarity. So I think um, some tidbits on Mm -hmm. preparing for a funeral would be helpful. I think we can also follow things chronologically. So we'll talk first about maybe preparing for things like before you die right. and the question of who prepares for whose funeral, whether you do it yourself or you leave yeah. it to your family. And then we can talk about those pieces of the liturgy that, that are worth that where people have a sort of say and in, yeah. in choice in what happens. Mm-hmm. So let's start. Um, so with, with at the beginning pre-death. Yeah. yeah pre-death. Um, I hear we're thinking not so much of the funeral, but, but with a particular sacrament, the sacrament of anointing of the sick. Yes. Um, I think here too, in our experience, we've both and, and chatting about this, um, we've both encountered the reality that people don't even prepare for this. No. Um, so it's why. So some tips, some points on that. Yeah, I think one of the big things, and um, we, you have a major hospital up at Hanover. We have a university hospital down in Charlottesville. Uh, it's a trauma one, so we get all the central yeah, Virginia. Yeah. yeah, you get the life flights and all those yep. types of things, the emergencies and traumas. Um, so we get to see a, a wide variety of this, and. Um, the families are not very prepared to, ex- to to know how to engage with a priest in those moments of w- what I've found. Um, in worst case scenario, um, the family will delay calling a priest until the last moments. And sometimes that's too late, yep. you know, uh, or they'll be delaying the priest until uh, all the f- siblings and family members. Oh, so-and-so's traveling from Tennessee. We're going to wait till they get here so then the priest can come in. And in that transit, they die, yeah. you know? And uh, one of the, the best rules of thumb that I've I've heard and, and I follow is when the doctor tells you to call the family in, it's like, okay, let's call the family in from Northern Virginia or Tennessee. Let's bring everybody in. Like these are the final moments. Yeah. When it's the, critical. When the doctor says, let's get the family in here, that's when you call the priest. Yeah. You know, don't wait for it, but call them in. But also the hope and prayer is like, we, we have to understand and operate that in the sacramental economy, the sacraments are for the living. You know, there are no sacraments in the afterlife. Right. It, they're for, for the here and now. So we yep. have to make sure that we get them here and now when we can. And so um, if at all possible, to bring the priest in like on the, on the front side of things, mm-hmm. 
um, so that they can receive the entirety of the mercies and the treasuries of mercy. So they can receive anointing. They can receive uh, viaticum and communion. They can make a verbal coherent confession. Yeah. You know, that these things are really uh, healing as a preparation for death. Um, and we want to be able to do that instead of at the last moment where, where somebody is unconscious and all they, they have feeding tubes and all these things. And so if at all possible to make sure that they get the entirety of that. So I think I said like the rule of thumb that I tell families is like when the doctor says, let's call everybody in, make the call to the priest then yep. to make sure that the, the person who is dying receives the sacraments while yep. they're still alive. Yeah. And two things on that. The first is, um, as, as father, you were just saying like the sacraments are for the living. So maybe three things. So death is a scary thing. Totally. And, the sac- scary. Like the, and our Lord knew that. Mm-hmm. And this is why he gave us a sacrament to strengthen us. Um, the anointing of the sick is not for physical healing, but primarily it, it can yeah, do that. But it can. primarily the sacrament of anointing of the sick is for spiritual strength in the mm-hmm. face of death. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to deprive ourselves or loved ones of that, especially in these last moments yeah. of life. The other thing too is that as you were describing, and it's true, I've encountered it a ton, that families wait for everybody to be there. Yeah. Let's just call it like, the sacrament of anointing for the, of the sick is not for the family. That's right. It is not for That's right. you, and it's not for like the family, it's not for to make the family feel better. Uh-uh. It is for the grave, for grace to be given to the person who's dying. Yes. And yeah, it might be nice to have family there, yeah. but you know what's nicer? Our Lord giving grace to someone dying, not you feeling good about being there. Now, if you want to have family there and that can work, perfect, lovely, great. But it shouldn't be, the timeline shouldn't be held up um, because it's for that particular person. You know, that's so important. Oh my goodness, I I can't support this enough because like I've seen, I've seen this be moments of conversion for family members. So like I know it it is important, but at the same time. Well, it's great when it can happen. It's great when it can happen. Like, and and I've seen that, like I'm not going to downplay that at all. But the more important thing is the sanctifying grace that is given to the person that is facing death. Right, exactly. That is so important. And um, to to be able to, to do that, you know, you mentioned like, well, what is for the comfort and the healing? That's what the funeral is. Right. The, the church structures her funeral liturgy for those that are more mean. Right. Like that's the beautiful yeah. thing is yeah. like the final commendation at the gravesite is for those that are mourning, not necessarily for the individual. The sacraments are for the individual. And the last thing I want to say there is that sometimes we talk about last rites and we kind of conflate it with the anointing of the sick. Last rites is a like kind of a package of three sacraments, anointing, communion, and viaticum and a confession, a verbal. So that's like the package of last rites. Yep. And uh, if those aren't possible, we can just anoint if a person's incapacitated uh, in that sense. But sometimes there's this, like people call it last rites so much that they want to be the very, very last thing. And so that's why they wait all the way to yeah, the end. Yeah. It's like, we want to kind of counteract that a little bit right yep. now. Okay. Yeah, so it's good, I think, if practically to make your intentions, you know, if you're the person, uh, you know, sometimes, Death comes without warning. But totally. if there is warning, whether age or illness, make your intentions known both to your family and to your priest. Yes, very um, much so. Don't don't hide that or don't assume that people know what you want or people know what's good. You know, may you feel yeah. free to do that. Okay, so anointing, preparation. What about preparing for a funeral? So mm-hmm. I think um, I think we can say a little bit about, about both, like who's doing the prep and then talk about the pieces mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. funeral. So option one is, is to take time for you as an individual to sit and make an appointment with your pastor or whoever right. at the parish and go over the funeral 
liturgy or mm-hmm. the choices, the options, the reading, the music, what's, you know, before, uh, before you die. Right. You know, to have that laid out. Mm-hmm, and I've mm-hmm. done that a number of times at our parish um, where people have said, well, Father, I just want to make sure, you know, we just went to the funeral home and bought plots, you know, like that often comes together. We'd like to Great. dot our yeah. I's, cross our T's with you too. And that yeah. way it's just on file and family doesn't have to worry. I don't have totally. to worry that anybody's yeah. going to change anything, mm-hmm. you know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, or it, this is, you know, and, and in that time, I think there's a great benefit because there isn't sort of the tragedy or the, the trauma of a recent death, right. You know, for right. your family, like you can actually think about it without mm-hmm. being under pressure and people make good decisions otherwise, but you have time to think and pray and then converse with your pastor or whoever. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a beautiful move. Like you, like you were saying, people buy plots, they pick out the, their casket or, mm-hmm. or things like that. And that stuff's really helpful. And if you are doing that, then why not just go ahead and complete that by planning the funeral as well? Um, I know people that sometimes they, uh, they are very faithful, very devoted, uh, but nobody else in their family is including their children or siblings and nobody else is. And it's like, well, you, you really should plan your own funeral then yeah. uh, just because that, that gets really dicey. And there are times where um, it's not important to the kids and right. then they'll, or sometimes you work with funeral homes and they, they say like, Hey, you know, we have this really cool thing where we can cremate your parents and then put their ashes in little lockets and everybody gets to carry it around with them. And it's like, no, 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 that's not okay. Like we want to be able to have the opportunity to kind of also guide and catechize. Yeah. Inform, inform mm-hmm. people more so than a profiteering uh, funeral home. Now I'm not right. saying every funeral home is, is profiteering, but it is a business. A business. Okay. Um, so I think that it's really important to start to familiarize yourself about what's, what's okay for a funeral, you know, what's not, right. you know, are scattering the ashes okay or not answers. No. Um, but like, what do you deal with that? Um, so I think those things are really important. Um, and you see families so many times that are in shock and grief, even if it was a prolonged illness, they're still in shock that grand, uh, grandpa has yeah. died or my own father has passed away. And that makes those decisions very difficult and they're in shock and they're just so to help put everybody at ease, to help them through the grief process instead of now being forced into decision making, because then one one child gets really hyped up about they want it to happen this way. Another child wants it this way. Now that becomes a point of division and inner family fighting. Just take all that out of the play and just do it a little bit beforehand. Yeah, I think often, though, even though that's uh, I I would counsel and recommend that I think you would, too, to, Mm -hmm. to take the time to do it yourself in conversation with your pastor, right? Um, Often it's, it'll be the case that the funeral planning, especially with with the the church side of things, the mass side of things Mm -hmm. um, falls to either a spouse or children or that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And, and my, my, my recommendation for both, whether you're planning your own or whether Mm -hmm. you're involved in planning somebody else's um, a loved one's funeral. My rec- uh, what, I, what I find almost all of the time, um, and it makes it very difficult, especially if it's not you planning your own, but you planning a loved one's mm-hmm. immediately after the death, is that if you are unfamiliar with the church's liturgy, yeah. and funeral liturgy in particular, mm-hmm. you shouldn't come to the table with a list of this is everything that I want and this is how yeah. it should be. Why do I say that? Well, because it's, it, it leads to disappointment and yeah. not because what's then offered is bad, but because, um, you know, if you come with sort of expectations of this is what it want and what it needs to be, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. that comes up against the reality of, well, this is how the church directs us to worship our Lord right, and right. to pray for the deceased. Then you kind of, butt heads a little bit with 
what the church's liturgy actually mm-hmm. is and then what our kind of personal preferences are. This so I think coming with an openness to this yeah. is what the church gives in this great gift. This is something that our pastor in Charlottesville, Father Walter Wagner is amazing at. And he has this like really clear vision on this. And he says like, we need to walk away and kind of step away from the sacraments of the church's life as being these boutique life events, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? That I get to kind of manipulate and curate to my personality, you know, is like, these are not boutique things that we create. Right. Like this is Holy Mother Church helping to guide her children through a life event, such as marriage, yep. such as a funeral, right? and Or baptism. And it's the liturgy itself that actually guides us through that. So we need to be very attentive to what the liturgy is saying, what's appropriate to the liturgy, because this is Holy Mother Church guiding her children through life events, not up for us to create this boutique moment that has has emotion and importance wrapped up into it. Yeah, And so I think really kind of, you know, and we're trying to reevaluate and restructure how we present these types of things to families that come to us for funerals. Like, hey, these are our options. Like, these are this is how we approach funerals, right? And this is what we do because this is what the church asks right. instead of what, what's really important for you at this celebration of life. It's not. It's it's a funeral. Yeah, you know. And I think that gets to maybe the final point, um, which is the reason that we have funerals and the reason that we have burials is to give us closure. It's for those that remain and mourn, you know? And so where we kind of enter into these moments to try to fabricate or turn these things into these things that they're not is denying the reality that we just lost somebody that we loved. Right. That they're, they're not on this earth anymore. And, and we need rituals. We need ceremony. We need something to reinforce that this is closed, you know? And sometimes when we... we we deny that we're going to perpetuate a hurt or perpetuate things that doesn't actually facilitate our human life and our our ability to live in hope, which where we will be united with that person as they are united to Christ. Yep. You know, and that's our hope in the end. But to deny the reality of death, deny these things and, you know, maybe enter and call them just their celebrations of life or these other things. We do want to celebrate their life and their memory and the love that we have for them. But it is a funeral. And yep. it is a burial. And these are important moments of closure so that we can kind of close down a public mourning stage. That doesn't mean we don't continue to mourn privately, but we're going to close down this public mourning phase of our life and then move forward. Not move on, but move forward. Yeah, exactly. And like all things, the church, well, like all liturgical things, the church provides um, the way by which we worship and mm-hmm. pray for those for whom we're offering the mass, you know, so yeah, at the yeah. funeral mass for the, for the deceased and for the families, that's the case for Sunday masses. That's the case for mm-hmm. great feast days. That's the case for marriages, for wedding masses, for baptisms, all of it, you know, and the funeral is no different. No, the funeral is a funeral mass mm-hmm. and it's, we're invited to participate in the liturgy of the church mm-hmm. for what you said, you know, for the sake of praying for the deceased, mm-hmm. but also for a proper venue or mode or modality of, of mourning, Mm -hmm. of sending them off, of us being together in a way, um, in our sadness and praying for the comfort that only our Lord offers, you know, and the strength that only he offers. Um, so we, it's, it's important, I think, to approach 
what it is that the church provides as something we're invited to participate into, yes. not something that yes. we get to define. Yeah. Um, because yeah. truth be told, we're very bad at making things up. Yep. And the church has thought about this for thousands and thousands of years. Human nature hasn't changed over yeah. the thousands of years. Yeah. So there, let, a, as you said, yeah. let Holy Mother Church guide us in right. this. And there's a real beauty to it. Um, that, that goes for all of the, you know, there are, with the funeral, there are a few things that we can, choose, you know, that's, yeah, you know, yeah. some, some of Scripture the readings and, and, like and some of the music, but even there, there are, there are guidelines and there ought to be guidelines as to, you know, we can't just play whatever kind of music, right? Because oh, it's no, all I, of a piece, it, it's, you know? It's a common request. Like this is so-and-so's favorite, like drinking song. Like, can we have that at the offertory? No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's just really like, you can do some of those things at the family party yeah. afterwards or at the wake or something like that. But when it comes to the actual funeral, like it's, it's very important to allow ourselves to be led, enter into the mysteries which includes a mystery of death and resurrection. Yeah. Like that's a mystery we get to live in, in that sense. Um, I remember last year in November, um, we had our, uh, our shooting on campus. Um, you know, three of our football players were murdered um, on a bus and it was really important. And I worked with our, our students and especially the football players where I was like, no, no, you have to go to the funeral. And the university did such an incredible job to, to remove any barrier for those football players to attend all. They flew them across the country. They flew them first down to Florida, Florida, South Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia Beach, to make sure that every football player had no barrier to attending those funerals yeah. so that they could have that closure. Right. And really kind of bring those public, that public phase of mourning to a close so that they can then move on and mourn as individuals right. in, in a way. Yeah. And I was really struck by how to what lengths the university did to to allow those players that opportunity. And I was also really edified by that too. It was really, really important to see. Yeah. I think what you said about the sort of the like, you know, particular music that or songs that people like or mm -hmm. ways of, I don't know, remembering that people want to do of having pictures and other th sort of things. There's, they're not bad things, no. but it's a question. So it's not a question of like, you can't play that music because that's bad or that's not, mm -hmm. a or it's not, it's not that, but it's a question of what's appropriate for the liturgy. Yeah. So as you as you mentioned, I often suggest well use the family time, mm -hmm. you know, the the reception afterwards, yeah. or use that to like remember these parts that that aren't um, again they're not bad, but they're just not appropriate for the liturgy, for the yeah. sacrifice of the mass, for the holy Eucharist, these sort of things. Um, yeah. And, and use so it's not a it's not an either or like mm -hmm. you can only do a solemn sad Catholic funeral which it doesn't have to be sad, you know, kind of thing. Or you can have this sort of joyous celebration of the person and those members. It's not an either or. No. It's just, it's a both and, but of when is which bit appropriate mm -hmm. and 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 that sort of thing, so. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing is like looking at it and trying to force the liturgy to be something that it's not. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is the one time we have everybody in one case, so we have to jam pack everything in. It's like, no, like actually take the appropriate time to mourn in the right ways. And there's a time to laugh yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, but maybe having a crazy uncle, you know, Joey up there in the pulpit giving a eulogy, like maybe that's not the best time to talk about how he and his brother, like, you know, were crazy rambunctious in college. Like yeah. that's not the right venue for right. that. Now in the family home and Telling as the stories, son says, that's yeah. absolutely it. Yeah. Like, and we, you need that too, but it's not necessarily in the liturgy. I think, you know, making it's making me think uh, in a few ways 
Um, one of the, my suggestions I tell people is like when you get to planning the actual liturgy and inviting people to participate, like let's say having somebody read the readings, choose people that are maybe one step removed, not directly associated. You know, so let's not choose a sibling or a, 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 a child yeah. of the deceased. Because I've, I have seen it a number of times, a, a child of the deceased gets up there to start reading, you know, the souls of the just are in the hand of God, and then they begin to break down. Yeah. So maybe having a, a cousin or a nephew, somebody that's a little more one. Or one, even allow the church to provide a lector or that's the father another option. to, to yeah. read, you know. Um, it's just because those are really emotional moments. Yeah. And when you're reading that scripture, you're not thinking of the souls of the just as a category. You're thinking of my father. Yeah, or and, mom. And mom. Yeah, exactly. And, and those can be very emotionally charged moments and you don't want to put that person in a public state of embarrassment because they can't finish the reading. The amount of times I've had to step in and finish a reading as a celebrant, you walk over and say, it's okay, go sit down. Yeah. And that's very difficult. And you don't, yeah. you, so I would just say point of kind of uh, technique and learn from it. Maybe choose somebody that's one or two degrees removed that can read that well in the moment and not feel the pressure or, or embarrassment unless if it gets too, too emotional. Yeah. I think a couple of things here by way of sort of practical advice as we start to kind of wind down is, is to do a little homework. Uh-huh. Um, the, the funeral liturgy, the funeral mass and the committal at the graveside, they're, they're one of my favorite liturgies. I think they're mm-hmm. I mean, not just because, not because I'm a dad, but they're, the prayers and the music in the and the ritual they're so beautiful and yeah. rich so um, it might be worth like going online and doing a little research as to what all that's about the other thing there too is um, you can find easily on the US bishops website the USCCB website re- the the list of allowed readings mm-hmm, at funerals mm-hmm. and suggestions for for music at funerals right um, so it be it's helpful to you know use those resources if you're curious as to what mm-hmm. is and isn't kind of permissible and allowed and these sort of things and they, there are a ton of other resources on it too but there's a, it's a good kind of way to say okay here's here's what the church envisions and here's kind of where my mind should also be thinking rather totally. than kind of just trying to draw out of to create, it's, it's not to create your own like event. Right. You know, right. Any final practical tips for funeral planning or prep? Yeah. Okay, go. Pray for your, your own death. Pray to have a, a, a peaceful death. Uh, pray that you um, are able to receive the sacraments before you die. Um, I know that sounds like kind of crazy and morbid, but it's like, yeah, don't, don't be afraid to, you know, make that part of your prayers. Like, Lord, grant me a happy death um, and may I receive the sacraments and, and those types of things. Um, and to not be afraid that like if people have fallen away from the faith or things like that, don't be afraid to like put that in your will that I want a Catholic funeral and, you know, it's already been planned out or things like that because they can tr- be really beautiful moments of conversion as yeah. well. Yeah, I think my my like word of counsel is less as a, less a particular about mm-hmm. funeral planning of like what to do and more just a general kind of mentality along the lines of what you just said is think of it in these terms. It might be helpful. Like the time that we invest in planning for baptism, for confirmation, when mm-hmm. our, when children make their first Holy communion, the time invested for preparing for marriage or ordination or, yeah. you know, all of these things. And then we get to the funeral and often it's just, a, you know, a 30 oh, minute yeah, conversation, yeah. you know, so it's I'm not together. saying, I'm not saying that there needs to be months and months of planning. No. But there should be a little 
uh, what foresight or intentionality? intentionality? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not so accidental and haphazard. Yeah, 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 and not not in a morbid way or anything no. like that, but just in a way of recognizing that the church offers a beautiful way by which we commend um, our loved ones who have passed to the mercy of God, and yeah. by which we are also invited to mourn and be strengthened in the grace and comfort of Christ. Absolutely. So we should that shouldn't come like accidentally at the end of. Yeah. of life, whether it's our own life or the life of a loved one, that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that there is time to plan in a moment when moments are a bit more calm and, mm-hmm. you know, not, not sort of, I don't want to say crisis, but not like in the moment kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we should take advantage of that because we can think a bit more clearly. We can pray a bit more, mm-hmm. um, a bit less rushed, those sort of things and, and have time to see how it is that the church invites us to, to pray in these last yep. moments. So there you have it. Anything else? Any final word? Just pray nah, for your death. That's pray for it. your death, man. Great. That's what I have to do. We're going to leave it there. Hey, Jesus, I trust in you. Let's Amen. go. There you go. Cool. All right. Well, before we close up, just one announcement for you all. Um, if you are interested, young adults, we are hosting our young adult retreat this coming November, the 3rd through the 5th at the Malvern Retreat Center in Malvern, Pennsylvania. The, the retreat is for those of you who are 21 to 33 years old. You can get information for that retreat on our website, godsplanning.org. As always, thanks for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can do so through Patreon. Follow the link in the description. You can also follow the links in the description to shop Godsplaining merchandise and to get more information on that retreat coming up in November. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. And until next time, God bless. God bless.